Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 1 this morning. We're going to finish up Colossians 1 in verse 24. We're going to roll through verse 5 of chapter 2. We started the book of Colossians uh, some weeks back, and where we have now, we've titled it Jesus at the Center. Jesus at the Center because everything that's going on in society, all the different ways of reason and theology and things and truths that have been coming through, whether, whether through the media or social media, we've all had different things come our way, and I think it's kind of rocked us a bit, and we're trying to figure out what to believe, what not to believe, and some of those might have swayed our faith a bit, and so what I want to do is I want to bring us back to uh, the central uh, message of who Jesus is and put Jesus at the center of our faith, but not only our faith, but everything we do in our lives, and so we're walking through Colossians, Colossians where the dominant theme of it is Jesus and the centrality of Jesus. So Colossians chapter 1, if you got it, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand to your feet. If you're online, go ahead and stand up. Welcome to you. Glad that you're here with us too. Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 24. If you got it, go ahead and say got it. Yes. All right, here now the reading of God's word. It says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship, remember that word, from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil and struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle. You hear struggle and toil over and over again. I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the, re the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures and all wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments, for though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit. And I rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. The very word of God, amen. Today I want to preach on this topic, suffering to make Jesus known. Suffering to make Jesus known. Let's pray before we go any further. Father, thank you so much for your body. Thank you for uh, your word. God, I do ask, as I ask every week, that you would hide me behind your cross. Decrease me, Lord, so that you may increase in this place. Father, we need a word from you, not from me, but from you. Let ears be attentive, eyes be attentive, and hearts be attuned to what you may have for us this morning. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus, and we all said together, amen, amen. You can be seated. Now, don't none of y'all fall asleep. I know March Madness is happening right now, and, and Jay watched LeBron get the 
title yesterday, you know, second most points. I'm just playing. It's March Madness. How many of y'all enjoying sports? Come on now. This is the time of year where everybody watches basketball or it's, it's on TV. But nonetheless, that has nothing to do with my message. I just <laughs> had to say something about basketball. Um, friends, today I want to talk about suffering and make Jesus known. Have you ever went through a lot in order to make something good known to somebody? I mean, some of you all have probably eaten a great burger up on the north side and you hustled down through traffic to the south side to tell somebody about it. That, that's suffering. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's suffering. But typically when I think about someone suffering for the good of somebody else, Trev, I, I usually think about my mother. I think about my mother sacrificing for my good, and I've shared some of this before, but my mother uh, seemingly raised four kids essentially on her own, but in order to do so, she gave up a lot of things for us to experience the good in life. Uh, my mother essentially left a, a good job in Gary, Indiana, where they paid her well to make half as much in Indianapolis just to get us out of the hood, if you want to say, a better education and around family. She gave up any sort of love life in order to attend PTA meetings and basketball games. And if some brothers still tried to call our house line because we didn't have cell phones back then, I would figure out a way to answer the phone, <clears throat> make my voice a little deeper. <laughs> Who this? John, you want Maryland? She don't live here, homie. Don't call back no more. <laughs> My mother did a lot and sacrificed a lot for our good. She worked three jobs for most of my life that I, as long as I can remember, uh, not just to put food on the table, but to give us some luxuries in life, some little luxuries. I remember when I was in fifth grade and everybody had BMX bikes with the pegs on the back. That was something back then. And we couldn't afford one, and I begged, I begged, I begged because Steve and the crew, they all had them. So on my birthday, my mother scraped the little change she had together. I think we went to Meyer and we bought a nice Royce Union bike for me, and I was with everybody else. And the reason I tell you all this, because I could go on and on and on about all the things she sacrificed in order for us to have some good in life. The reason I'm going through this is because... All of us are where we are today, including myself, because someone else has sacrificed for your good. Nobody in here has gotten to where they are by themselves, whether it be a parent, a mentor, somebody in your life, a friend, has sacrificed in order for you to experience some good in life. As we get into this text today, the Apostle Paul, he's essentially explaining his ministry, and he says, I've struggled. I want you to hear his wording. I've struggled and I've sacrificed to get the good news of Jesus to you. As we walk through the text, I want you to ponder this question. What am I sacrificing in my life for the good of others and Jesus? And for some of us, the question may be, what do I need to get rid of in my life to pursue Christ? I got two points today, and I'm out your way. Number one, the gospel is for everyone. And number two, maturity in Christ takes intentionality. The gospel is for everyone, 
and maturity in Christ takes intentionality. By way of intro today, just a reminder to some of you all that have been here and some of you that may have not been here, Paul, he's writing this book to the Colossian church because there's heresy or false theology and doctrine that's been entering in their midst. And we're not sure what the false theology or doctrine is, but we know that it's entering in into the congregation and it's starting them to start swaying from their firm foundation in Jesus to possibly believing some of the things that are not true. So Paul, he picks up his pen and he starts writing because this is problematic. So he starts to correct them both in their doctrine, but also in their practice. He begins in chapter one by reminding the church of who Jesus is. He says, as we talked about last week, Jesus is Lord of creation. He's supreme over all things. He's the supreme creator. And he's also the head of the church, the head of the body. He's died for your sins, sins that he didn't even commit. Paul right here points the reader and the church to the fact that Jesus is God. He says he's preeminent where he came before all and he's Lord over all. Now, this is important, and Paul is so emphatic in his teaching, watch this, about Jesus because of the false teaching, if you missed that, that's entering in their midst right now, but he's also, in a sense, trying to set the record straight. He's trying to say there is none like Jesus. There's no one that came before him like him, and there's none that's coming after him. Jesus is supreme. He's high above everything. He says all of this because verse 23, he says, so that in your faith, you would stay steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. I need you to know Jesus so you don't shift. This all brings us to our passage today because Paul begins in verse 24. He's talking about the sufferings for the sake of the church. Look at it with me. Verse 24, he says, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of the body. Now, hear me when Paul says this. He's not saying what Christ did on the cross, his atoning work on the cross. He's not saying that wasn't enough, so I got to suffer some more. No, what he's saying is that Christ already suffered, but here I am suffering and toiling trying to get this same good news to you. Verse 25, Paul says, I became a minister according to the stewardship. Everyone say stewardship says according to the stewardship from God, where this word stewardship would have been pronounced oikonomia. I'm not going to have you say that. That's in the Greek. That's what it would have been pronounced. He says this word, hear me, uh, stewardship would have been widely used throughout the Roman Greco world. This is, it, it, it kind of, it, it points to uh, someone being over or administrating a large house. So what Paul is saying right here is that I'm suffering for your sake. I'm suffering for the good of the house of God, the, the church of God, so I can steward this gospel. I can give this good news of Jesus Christ to all. I need everybody to know what he did on the cross. So essentially what Paul is saying, I want to make him known. That's what he's saying. I want to make him known. Now, the fam family, the question should be, well, okay, Pastor D, well, why is that important in the context? So we know Paul wants to make him known. Hear me. Remember the Colossian church, they're flirting with theological disaster. All of this is coming in, and it's making them sway back and forth from what they believe, their firm foundation of Jesus. But more importantly, don't miss this, the Colossian church is mostly made up of Gentile believers. Why is that important? Well, 
before the New Testament here, when Jesus, before he came, that the, the, the message, the good news of God was really just to the Israelite nation. And here's Paul saying, I, I want to I make this known to those that are not of Israelite or Jewish descent. He says, I, I want everybody to know. I, I need the Gentiles to know. This is why Paul says in verse 26 through 27, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now has been revealed to the Gentiles. Paul is saying, I'm toiling. I'm struggling to give you the gospel because this good news is for everyone. Which begs the question, why is that important to us today? Sadly, in my perspective, this, this is still a very relevant topic in our society today. That being that the gospel is for everyone. It's for everyone. Especially in the course of history, if you just look at America and we go back to slavery where this same very Bible was used to keep black people in line and, and, and keep them thinking that they were less than uh, the white race. And that Bible was used to condone slavery. And if it wasn't this Bible, they would make slave Bibles where they would print out and, and take all the scriptures out that talked about the equality or, or oneness in Christ or, or how we should act and, and, and be in the body of Christ. But they would keep the verses in about you being a slave and obeying your master. This was the slave Bible that was put in place. What I'm trying to get at is that as Paul is talking about this, hear me, the gospel in America hasn't always been for everyone. But maybe you're saying, well, that's slavery. Well, well, it would lead to, hear me, the formation of black churches in America and black denominations like the AME, which is the African Methodist Episcopal Church, seemingly because black people weren't allowed to fellowship with white people in church. I ain't talking about water fountains and bathrooms. We're talking about the church. Maybe you're saying, well, that's still way back there, Pastor D. Well, let's just talk about the civil rights movement. Civil rights movement where in large part, white evangelical church, the white evangelical church sat on the sidelines instead of engaging in matters of justice for black and brown people in America or, or, or women for that matter. Or, or maybe y'all still like, man, that's still way back there. Okay, well, let's, let's talk about a few years ago. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be political when I say this, but in 2016, it's 2020, we had a president that spewed out racist rhetoric all over the place where white nationalist movements came out of the woodwork in America. And once again, the white evangelical church sat on the sideline instead of standing up for injustices against black people in America, namely the murder of George Floyd or Breonna Taylor. I'm just talking about the facts. And don't hear me, hear me with this singling out white people. That's not what I'm trying to say right now. I need you to hear me saying that sadly there has been a pervasive narrative that has been throughout the history of America where one race has been seen as dominant or better than the other one. And that's not only in society, but sadly within the church. So hear me, Paul talking about the mystery of the Gentiles, or should I say all being welcome in God's kingdom through belief in Jesus, is still a needed message today. 
Just as much as the Colossian church needed to hear it back then, we still need to hear it today. The gospel of Jesus Christ is for everyone. It's for black people, white people, Latino, Asian, you name it. The gospel is for everyone. Paul is trying to remind the Colossian church as they're Gentiles right now, look down upon. He's saying, you are not subpar. You are not less than. You are chosen by God. You are his creation, his son, his daughter. And I'm toiling. He says, I'm struggling, literally giving my life. So that verse 27, you may know Christ in you, the hope of glory. I don't know who you are, but someone needs to hear this this morning. God cares for you regardless of the color of your skin. Regardless of what you did yesterday or the day before that, God cares for you. Whether, no, no matter what the world says about you, hear me, God's family is made up of all colors, shapes, and sizes, y'all. He, he cares for you. He made you the way you are on purpose. That means that he made you black and he loves that you're black. He made you white, and he loves that you're white. He made you Asian, and he loves that you're Asian. He made you Latino, and he loves that you're Asian. He made you for a purpose, and hear me, he loves you as is, and he saves you as is. And here's the good news for us. If God loves you as is, then we in turn should love ourselves the same way. But on the other hand, there's some of us in here that are saying, Pastor D, that's not me. It's not, it's not a race issue for me. That, I don't think that's it. But you're struggling with what you've done wrong, sin, issues in your life. You're like, God, God, I don't, I don't believe God really wants me. Why, why would he love me? I've, I've just been bad. I've done all these things. Hear me. I need you to hear this. When you come to Christ, your activity is no longer your identity. Don't miss it. When you come to Jesus, your identity is no longer your activity. No, you are now a son or daughter of the most high God. Hear this. Which means that when you mess up, which you will, time and time again, you'll get off and you'll fall over and over again. The good news of the gospel is that he didn't just save you when he died on the cross and got up from that grave. But the reality is that he's sitting still in heaven at the right hand of the Father, Father interceding on your behalf. In Ephesians, I love it, says that he's lavished his grace upon you. You know what that means? It means that when you mess up, God ain't looking down on you saying shame on you. He's looking down and he sees his son covering you and he's saying, well done, my son. Well done, my sister. Well done, my daughter. Because of Jesus' good work, not yours. And that's good news. Paul says, I want you to know this mystery. I want you to know the love of Christ. So I have to ask, and keeping with the text here, based off of what he's saying, he's saying, I'm struggling to get this gospel to those who, who, who weren't accepted. Let me ask you, who are you toiling for? Who are you struggling for to get the gospel to? I mean, what, what does your dinner table look like? You've heard me ask this before. Who are you sitting in those intimate spaces with sharing your story with, your narrative with? Who are you struggling with? 
Are you struggling for the, the least likely in society, fighting against injustice? The person that doesn't look like you, the one that doesn't vote like you, the outcast in society. My friend, hear me. There, there are lines within society, within the church, that should not exist. They should not exist. The gospel is for everyone. I've talked about this before in, in college. Some of you may know this. My wife and I, we started a college ministry called the Impact Movement. It was a ministry to reach out, particularly to African Americans on campus, because there was nothing there uh, for black students to come and fellowship uh, with at, at Indiana University. And, and there was a crusade ministry, which was predominantly all white, and we had nothing on campus to go to. And so we started this, but... Uh, really with the intention of hopefully bridging the gap and integrating the ministries together, the white ministry with the black ministry. And and reason why is because I'm looking at the Bible and I'm reading it and I'm saying Revelation talks about every tongue, tribe, and nation uh, before God. And the reality is, is I want a little bit of that on earth. It's all of us here. Why can't we have a little bit of heaven here? And then I'm reading the Gospels and I'm looking at the life of Jesus and I'm like, Jesus didn't just preach about it. He, he actually did something about it. So I can't just preach the gospel and hope that everybody just comes to me. No, Jesus actually went out and lived it out in front of people. He was intentional in his walk. And so what I started, to, I said, I got to be intentional about this. I got to live it out. And so I started going to a campus crusade Bible study on campus. It was myself and four other white guys in a room, living room at the time. And we were reading through the Bible together and we're learning about Jesus, and we're reading through Romans and all the different books, and I took it to another level my junior year, because junior year, I moved into a house with these same guys. Now, picture this. It's a three-level house. There's four bedrooms in the house. One bedroom, we had all of our computers set up for accountability in our homework area. One bedroom, we had a quiet area where you had couches you can go spend time with Jesus in. And then the top level of the house, there was two bedrooms that were really uh, one big bedroom conjoined by a big hallway. And all five of us slept in that same room. Now, y'all might be saying that's weird, Pastor D. I I'm trying to let y'all know I was serious about Jesus and accountability but I was also serious about this multi-ethnic thing early on. And so we're living in this house. I need y'all to picture this. You got the black dude, Gary, Indiana, that's me, and four white dudes from racist towns all over Indiana <laughs> in the house, eating meals together, keeping one, or, one another accountable. We, we did Bible studies together. I mean, and I'm not going to sit here and say it wasn't awkward at times. It got awkward at times. There was... One time where a friend of one of my roommates came over and he's sitting down on the couch and I notice he keeps inching towards me and stuff and he's just starting to tell me about this story and he's like, man, there's this dude, man, I, I, he just starts telling me the story. He's like, yeah, man, he's my friend and he used to always have trouble combing his hair and I'm like, huh? And, and I said, is this guy in the story black or white? And he said, man, what you think? I told you his name was Jamal. I said, wait up, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, hold up. Some of y'all was like, eh. every ounce of the Holy Spirit left my body in that moment. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you guys, I, I wanted to just punch the dude in his mouth. Matter of fact, I didn't want to punch him. I wanted to slap him. That seemed more disrespectful. I, just was, I was just so upset in that moment. 
And something held me from doing that, and I left the house. I was gone for about three hours. I came back, and I sat down with him, and I'm telling him about why you can't do this. He had gotten too comfortable, and as I'm sharing this and how he stepped across the line, he's crying, turning red and all that stuff, and he's saying, sorry. And I said, that's cool, man. So what I, what I want you to see is that it wasn't always hunky-dory. It was, it was very awkward at times. But the intentionality didn't stop with me living with these guys. It, 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 it kept going. It, 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 it lingered, in, and it went into the ministry that we were leading. So my wife and I, Kaylee, we would take the, the black ministry into the white ministry on campus, and they would come into our, our, our ministry on campus, too. And then there would be questions like, why we got to go fellowship with them and this and that. But don't you know, after a while, they started saying, why don't we just do this more often? After 17 years or 17 years later, y'all, this is still one of the largest of its kind in the country. White and black students doing ministry on campus at Indiana University, discipling one another, living one another. Don't y'all know that God is good? There's a part of our hearts that's saying, now this is for everybody. This isn't just for one race or one group of people. Y'all hear me? And I'm not trying to say this to pat myself or Kaylee on our backs or anything. No, what I'm trying to say is that there are some lines that exist that should not exist in society that keep us divided. And they will always be there unless we understand what Paul is saying, that this ain't just for the Jews, but this is for the Gentiles. And we see the line and we... Step over the line intentionally with our lives, and we see the walls of division broken down by how we live our lives. Again, the gospel, hear me, is for everyone. But I got to ask you, who in your life are you suffering for to make this gospel known? How are you living intentionally? Paul moves on in the passage, and he gives us more of the reason why he's suffering so much for the Gentiles. Number one, it is because he wants the gospel, or them to know that the gospel's for everyone. But second, in chapter 2, verse 3, he says, In Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Basically, Paul, is, in saying all of this, is, is saying this. Watch this. It's not enough for you just to accept and believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's not enough. He said, no, I need you to grow in maturity. I need you to understand that it is in Jesus that you will find everything you need. He says, to that end, it is Jesus who I proclaim struggling, teaching you with wisdom to present you mature in Christ. Paul essentially is saying as he mentions in verses 4 and 5 of the text, I know there are so many different ways of reasoning and theology that are coming your way. You're being tossed to and fro. But I want you to know Christ who does not change and can give you the hope that you're looking for. But you can't just accept him. You have to be intentional and keep running after him. you got to keep pursuing Jesus in your walk. Now, friends, I, you've heard me say this before, and I've been a bit honest this morning, so can I be honest a little bit more? Y'all good with that? And I'm not saying this is step on anybody's toes. But the pandemic has made a lot of us really lazy. 
And I'm not talking about the COVID-15 that all of us got. Y'all know, you know, the, the extra weight we all gained in COVID. Y'all, we just ate. It just made you comfortable. But what I'm talking about is the laziness in our spiritual walks, the laziness in our pursuit of Jesus, the lack of intentionality. I know some of us are like, well, Satan's tempting me. He's coming after me. He's doing all these things. Yeah, that's true. But, but the reality is we give Satan way too much credit a lot of times. Some of our failures, some of our uh, lack of Bible reading and, and lack of fellowshipping with the right people has come from a place of laziness. It's come from a place of a lacking intentionality or this desire for comfort. I mean, think of it this way. You, you've always had the CME type of Christians that come to church. Y'all know what that is? The, the Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter Christians. I'm not talking about denominations. Some of y'all still missing this. The, the, the Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter type of Christians that came to church. They're always faithful, dress up. They're coming to church. You always had that. But now you have the faithful online only church going Christians who hop from their favorite preacher to the other preacher to this preacher and are not plugged in in any church but they're cool going everywhere else in public but not church I'm just saying I'm just saying I mean you can't go to the gym and then be like, well, I can't go to church. It's COVID. I'm just saying. Again, I'm not, I'm not coming at anybody. I'm just trying to be honest. And here's why I'm saying all this. The Christian walk does not work if we're passive and lazy. Don't miss this. James says in chapter 2, verse 17, that faith without works is dead. If it does not have works, it's dead. That means it's not enough to say, oh, I believe in Jesus and I accept him as my Lord and Savior and he's going to do all these things in my life. No, you got to do something. Your works should come from a place of faith. In essence, I should be able to look at your works and be like, I know they believe in Jesus. I know they believe in someone. Friends, in order to grow in maturity or in your walk with Christ, you got to be intentional. What does that mean? What does that mean? This means you can't come to church once a month and grow in your walk. No, you got to be intentional about trying to make it every week to church. You missed the 9 a.m. because you slept in. It's all good. We got 11 a.m. You can make it. You, 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 you can't read your Bible once a week. The only time you pick up your Bible is when you come to church and Pastor D says, stand up and we're going we're gonna to read through the word today. That can't be the only time you read your word and, and grow in your walk. You got to read this daily. So it feeds the depths of your soul. You, you can't just give the leftovers of your time and your money and expect to somehow now miraculously be generous. No, it doesn't work that way. No, you got to be intentional in the choice to give of yourself, your time, and your money when you don't feel like it. You, you can't just come to church and serve and, and, and be in a group when you feel like it. Y'all see where I'm going with this? The reason why, because here's the problem when we do this. When we sit back and, we, and we're passive in our walks, saying, I, I just believe 
God's going to work it out. You know what ends up happening? Lies just start trickling into our head. And false truths and everything everybody's saying in society just starts entering into our hearts. And we start to believe things that we never would have believed. And, and watch this. And because we haven't been in our Bibles, we don't know enough truth to combat the lies. Because we haven't been in church or community, we don't have any accountability. We don't give of our time and our treasures, so we're really not committed to the church, but we're, con we're committed to whatever we're giving our time and our treasure to. And next thing you know, we're walking away from the church, and we're more confused about truth and God than ever before. You got to be intentional. Paul says, I've struggled greatly for you to know Christ. And friends, I need you to hear me. Renewal, as your pastor, I want the same thing for all of us. I want us to be a church that chooses Jesus over everything. A church where Jesus is at the center and we choose him no matter what the cost. So let me ask you again, how intentional are you in your walk with Christ today? How intentional are you? Are you the one that, that is easily swayed to and fro? Are, are you the one that's really being faithful in your Bible, in your church, in your generosity, in your day-to-day? -day? I, was, I was reading a, um, an article this week about a young lady by the name of Leah Church. And Leah Church, she grew up a Christian and in a Christian household where her daddy was uh, an evangelist. He would share the good news of Jesus Christ across the nation, which meant that she would have to travel quite a bit, so she was homeschooled. But although she was homeschooled, it didn't stop her from becoming a national basketball phenom. She would average the likes of 25 points a game in high school with a 47% field goal average. Now, just to put that in perspective for you guys that don't know basketball that well, that's 3% higher than the average NBA shooting guard percentage. Y'all get that's the guys that shoot the ball. <laughs> she, she's pretty good. She's pretty good. And she loved basketball. She loved basketball so much that she watched a whole bunch of Michael Jordan and the GOAT. She said, I want to go where he went. And so she fell in love with UNC, the University of North Carolina. She said, I want to play on the same court that he played on. And so she would go to all the camps and she got to meet Coach Hatchell, the coach of the women's basketball at the time, and she fell in love with everything that was happening there, and she would be at the practices and this and that, and hoping one day she would get a scholarship there, and the call never came, so she said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit to North Carolina State, and, and I remember, she says, I remember was, it was right before I went off to college, I got that call. Coach Hatchell, come on down to North Carolina. She decommitted, and went to North Carolina, and her dreams, in her opinion, were coming true. This is exactly what she was hoping for. This is where she wanted to be. She gets to North Carolina. Everything is going great. Coach Hatchell is amazing. But after her sophomore year, Coach will retire. Now Leah is left with a new coach, and the new coach came in and didn't have the same standards as Coach Hatchell. In fact, she would encourage, listen to this, the team, she would encourage Team Unity 
through things that Leah found biblically immoral. She would tell them, I'm expecting y'all to go party together, hang out together, which would ultimately lead to drinking and getting drunk together. And Leah said, I couldn't condone the things that were happening on the team. I, I couldn't get down with it because it was against my beliefs. The things that the players were doing, getting drunk and then sleeping and having sex before marriage, these are things that I, I, I could not move on. And she said it all came to a head when the new coaching staff put in a list of all these causes that, that the team had to get behind and support. And she said, I will not compromise. I will not go against my biblical principles. She's about 20 years old, y'all. She says, quote, in light of eternity, basketball wasn't worth it. And she left the team. Leah gave up her dream to pursue and stay committed to Jesus. And I got to ask you all, what are you willing to say I, this is enough of this, Jesus, for you. I, I, I'm, I'm done with this. Let me ask you, where do you need to be intentional in your walk with Jesus? What is it in the way of you experiencing Jesus to the full? You fill in the blank. Better yet, willing, what, what are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to sacrifice? Leah gave up her career. Paul, the writer of Colossians right here, gave up his life, not only for the Colossian church, but for us as we read this letter. There have been thousands on top of thousands of Christians throughout the, the years of the history of Christianity that have been martyred, been burned at the stake, crucified upside down, heads cut off, thrown off of cliffs for the sake of Jesus. Again, what are you willing to give up? And why would they do this? Because as Paul says, they knew Christ, the hope of glory. Friends, when you're mature in Christ and you intentionally pursue him, watch this. When temptations start to rise within you and new beliefs start to float around, you're not moved because you know the God that you serve. When you truly understand everything that Christ has done on the cross, his, his atoning work where he died for sins that he didn't commit, but instead your sins, he took them upon himself. And then he doesn't stay there, nails in his hands, nails in his feet, but he goes to the grave. And after three days, he rises with all power in his hands, defeating Satan, sin, and death, rising with power. When you understand that he did all of that for you so that you don't have to die, See, that type of good news, I'm going to just talk about it for myself. That good news makes me not only want to believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but it makes me want to be devoted to him and pursue him for the rest of my life. So let me ask you, again, where do you need to be more like Leah Church in your life? What do you need to give up or walk away from? What's stopping you right now from growing in maturity with Christ? This could be your image. It could just be you. You're just too concerned with yourself, and you just need to move out of the way. It could be the way your money rules over your life. Got to have more. Got to have more of this. It could be a relationship that you're in, and you know you got to get out of that relationship. It's doing nothing for you. It could be a relationship with a, with a family member or a friend, that a feud that continually is going on, and it's stopping your relationship with Jesus. 
Fill in the blank. It could be an addiction, it, it, porn or alcoholism or drugs, something of that matter that's stopping you from giving your all to Jesus. It could be that source, that idol, that heart idol of security or power, control, significance, comfort. Whatever it is, friend, let it go. Jesus, this is me. This is my mess. This is all of me. I lay it at your feet. All I want is you. Just you, Lord. Nothing else. You. What is it, friends? Let it go. Let me end with this as the band comes forward. This, I know there's still someone still sitting here lingering and saying, well, I, I get it. But, but why, Pastor D, I still don't understand. Why, why would I do all of this for Jesus? Well, hear me. As I said last week, in the text it said that Jesus, watch this, he's supreme over all creation. He's the Lord over all creation. And he's the head of the church. Being supreme over all creation means that he created you and me. Which means that if we want to find fulfillment, satisfaction, find who we truly are, we got to know Jesus, our creator. Him being supreme over the church is good news. Hear this. Because he not only died for all of us that will come to believe in him, but yet, as I said earlier, he's still interceding on your behalf. Therefore, he died for your past, your present, and your future sins. So whatever you did yesterday or the day before or even this morning, he still cloaked you in his grace. And God is still saying, well done, as long as you believe in my son. Well done because of his goodness, not what you do. That's good news. And so I honestly got to flip the question on his head. It really shouldn't be, why would I do this for Jesus? It really should be knowing that goodness. Why wouldn't I give up everything for him? Friends, hear me. Let's keep Jesus central in everything we do. And watch as Paul says, we'll find all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. You are indeed a good father. God, I do ask right now that whatever it is that's in our way or in the way of us truly worshiping you, truly giving you all of us, Will we lay it at your feet right now? I don't know what it is, God. I know in a room this size, there's a variety of different things, God. But the reality is, is that you didn't just cover one sin, and this one's worse than the other, but you've covered all our sins. You've covered all our mess. So whatever it is, God, let us lay it at your feet. We all got our things. God, I pray in that we'll find restoration. We'll find true knowledge and true wisdom, true peace, true love in you, Jesus. Pray for the one that's saying, I didn't know God. 
would love me that much and give up everything, including his son. But my goodness, he suffered much for me. Pray that they would give their life to you right now, saying, I believe in Jesus and seek you all the days of their life. God, I pray when we get off that we be reminded of the goodness of the Father that still sits in love with us and says, come on home, come on home, come on home. God, we thank you. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus and everyone say it together. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.